Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hey, you know, as Brian said, thank you all for braving the elements and coming out to join us. And, and so welcome to all of you. Um, my name is Dion, and we're just glad that you're here with us this morning. Welcome to those who have joined us online. I certainly don't blame you for hanging out in your jam jams and watching <laughs> church from home. However, I will say this. We are eating all the donuts. <laughs> Going to have all the donuts. We get to keep them. So there we go. Would you please join me in prayer? Holy Father, first of all, thank you for allowing us to be here. It really is a privilege and, and just a, the ability to come together to learn about you, to hear your word, um, and to do it together. Lord, we do want to just lift up everybody who is being impacted by this weather right now. As much as we appreciate and enjoy the very much needed rain, um, we do know that there's always the possibility of things happening. And so we just ask your protection over those who have to drive, travel, work in it, um, people's homes, just everything, Lord. Um, thank you that you are watching over us. And uh, thank you that no matter what, you always have our best in mind. Um, you are a good, a good God. We thank you for that. We thank you that you get to teach us today about fear and how to overcome that fear. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We started the series with that specific uh, message that, that God is with us. We're talking about fear. It's something that we all experience, different levels, different kinds, at different times. Uh, fear that sometimes paralyzes us, sometimes not only paralyzes, it makes us not do what we're supposed to do. So today we're, we're talking about fear. We start a series that's in it. And so we put up some verses just to begin with the one they already quoted. Uh, God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Uh, we, we talk about fear, and, and I put the next verse up because it's one of my uh, favorites. It challenged me when I was a new Christian. It says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. Perfect love cast out fear. Now, when I first saw that verse, I was new at this, and I looked at it, and I said, oh, my goodness, my faith and my love has got to be perfect, uh, or I'm going to fear and, of course, obviously, a little wisdom and some coaching for some other people said, no, Bill, as shocking as it is, life is not all about you. <laughs> it's about God. It's God's perfect love to cast out fear, not mine. He perfectly loves me and each person here. Uh, before the world was even formed, he knew us. He knew our blame, our shame, and he died for us, and he... For those who have accepted his gift, we were chosen to be his. So perfect love, his perfect love, cast out fear. Fear, an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by an awareness of danger. When we see danger, the temptation is fear. That's one kind of fear. But today we're talking about two kinds of fear. The first fear is that one that danger comes at us and we withdraw, an emotion. The second one is a profound reverence and awe toward God. Two kinds of fear, one good, one bad. Uh, one we want to avoid and the other one we want to seek out and make it real inside of our lives. So we're starting with this reality that God is with us. That last 
picture in the, in the video of the man just looking up. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But emotions, strong feelings. Now, sometimes we have pet names for uh, fear. A lot of people don't want to own up to the fact that they have fear. Uh, but we, we come up with different names for it. I looked up in, in Google uh, some of the things that it had to say there. I said, well, what are, what are some synonyms for fear? And in point five seconds, I got 1.3 billion hits on what we can call fear and not have to call it fear uh, inside of our lives. Uh, this is, but it is something that, that comes at all of us. No temptation has overtaken me that's not overtaken you. We all experience in this specific case fear, anxiety, concern inside of our lives. Uh, looking culturally uh, at, at our world right now, uh, there's reason for fear. There's a temptation to fear. Worry, stress, panic, even panic attacks. Uh, fear uh, for our families. Fear for our next generation. Fear for the things that might be around us. I know a lot of people today uh, are not here because of concern and rational concern uh, because of the flooding that might potentially take place. I know many of you probably weren't here uh, back in the early 80s when we had a, a flood that went through Ridgecrest. That was a 100-year flood and uh, propane tanks floating by. Uh, Lost Flores, my, my daughter was driving a little champ, a little car, and she decided to go boating on uh, Gateway Boulevard as it, the car floated away. Uh, I went out to check out a construction site. We were building a new house for us, and I had a garage all set up, and it was all beautiful, ready to pour, ready to go. Totally gone, flooded, everything was gone. I, my truck got stuck. I never get stuck. And so uh, reason for fear in what's taking place today, but also it goes beyond the weather. Uh, there's a new variant of COVID coming at us that uh, no one knows where that's going to go. Cancer, heart disease, strokes, dementia. I know about you. Whenever I get a weird feeling, I... Matter of fact, I was reading a thing in my utmost or his highest, which I watch or I read every day. And it just so happened on this day, over the 20, 30 years that I've read it, I started, oh, I think I have an infection. I think I'm dying. My knee is bad. This, and I just listed about 10 different things that that day in that year, on which the message is don't fear in the, the utmost, but each one of them, I had a deal that I was dealing with that at that time. And so uh, it is common to us to be able to do that fear. But we call it different things. But ultimately, it's the same. It's a temptation. And the promise from God is that there is a way of escape. It was in the first verses. It's in God's perfect love. It's in us looking to him. But this series for the next seven weeks is going to be about different kinds of fear, where it might, it might come at us uh, in each one of them. The first one this week is fear of control. Now, this is, that's a strange way to start, but ultimately it's the foundation of all of them. Who's in control? Are we in control or is God in control of our lives, our situations, our circumstances, our realities, the things that happen to us and around us? Who's in control? That's today. Next week, fear of the supernatural. 
Not only the, the, the supernatural powers that, that work around us, uh, the evil forces of darkness around us, but supernatural powers. One after that is interesting, next gen. Now, next, next generation fear is, is two ways. Number one, those old guys are afraid they're going to take over and you know, pass laws for euthanasia and uh, get rid of all the old dudes. But there's also a fear in them that as they're coming up in this culture, they, there's a real fear of the younger generations, uh, generation X, Y, Z, and millennials, that they will never attain the things that we have enjoyed during our culture uh, that's here. Environment uh, will be another concern that we have. Conspiracy theories, death, that quiet, depending on your age, quiet and getting louder drumbeat that we all know is in the future. We, we all know that's coming. How are we going to handle it? What is it going to be? Uh, I don't think anyone's as concerned as a Christ follower of dying. That's actually a blessing. It's the process that we have fear about and concern about as we do that. So, and the final one will be courageous. And again, the promise. Jesus says, I have said these things to you that, that you may have peace. He says, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. In the world, we're going to have things happen to us that'll cause fear, multiple directions. But his promise is that he's overcome the world. So we, we continue to remind ourselves to look at Jesus. Now, uh, as we do that, one of the things I want to talk about right up at the beginning are the two kinds of fear. We said at the beginning, there's two kinds of fear. There's good fear and there's bad fear. Let's talk about bad fear first. Uh, bad fear is the one that, that no one likes. It's this, this one that people, the first one, John 3.19, we all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. John 3.19, there's a fear. People whose deeds are evil don't want to come to the light. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to come to Christ. Because their deeds are evil, they fear the light, and they don't come to it. The next one is uh, a fear that, that lurks in the heart at some level, I believe, at some point in every Christ follower, is that there's a, there's a time we're all going to stand before Christ. Now, we look at that and we say, that is so exciting. I can't wait. And, and the Lord's words are, well done, good and faithful servant. But there's also another alternative that's given out in the scripture. No matter how many great works these people did, they actually cast out demons. They did many mighty miracles. And Christ will say to them, I never knew you. That lurking uh, potential that's back there. And uh, the next one, the next fear, don't fear those who can kill the body. Just, see, don't, don't fear them. He says, that's a, that's a bad fear. Fear God who can condemn us after that. That's good fear. A prudent person sees danger. People are prudent. They look at the uh, roads out there today, and they said, don't think so. Now, for those of you who haven't seen it, you don't frequent Ridgecrest Boulevard. The city has been dumping sand uh, since yesterday morning out there, and they've been giving out free sandbags. So it's a traffic jam coming in last night. It's almost a traffic jam. They got police there directing. There's people, there's kids running across the street with the big bags uh, of sand, getting them in the vehicle. They're taking precautions. Uh, if you're in an area where you, when it rains, you flood, a door's open, come in. 
they're taking precautions. That's, that's good. Uh, that, but this sees danger, takes action as he does that. Uh, see in danger. And that's, that's, that's the fear that is there now. Also, the, the, the really good fear in everything that we do is a, is a fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. We continue and will continue to do it. Uh, define this. That an unpleasant, uh, strong emotion causing anticipation, awareness of danger. But the good is respect, reverence inside of our lives of God. I, I work with electricity once in a while, I'm not a professional or anything else. But there's one thing I've learned. Respect electricity. Uh, I remember when I was probably about eight years old, my dad was kind of a handyman kind of guy. And he came in, he was fixing a light bulb, and he went, Bleep! and he said, looked at me and says, don't do that. <laughs> oh, I got it. <laughs> I got it. And it's not that it is inherently dangerous. It's like aviation. Pilots have an expression. Aviation is not inherently dangerous. It is so unforgiving of human error. There are things that you and I do on a daily basis that we no reason for fear. We're driving here, driving in this weather, whatever it is, not inherently dangerous, but all oh, those mistakes that can take place. Uh, so fear in those cases, you see in, see in danger, you take precautions, don't fear those who can kill. You know, there's good fear, there's bad fear. This is... Good fear. Today we're going to be talking about an encouraging good fear. What to do with it. And that's, that's really the, the focus of the series. So we talk today and we lay out the good and the bad. And I'm going to give some examples of, of good and bad fear that takes place with the disciples. Uh, getting ready for this, uh, I found two examples. And it was so much fun for me, I thought I'd share it with you. The first one uh, was Jesus takes his disciples and he's going to send them across the lake. The evening had come. Now, remember, Christ had been actively involved in ministry up to this point. He had come out. Uh, he'd been baptized. God had spoken. The Holy Spirit descends upon him. Uh, he's healing crowds of people. Uh, the lame are walking. Lepers, he didn't say just a word. He went and he healed them by touching them. His disciples had seen all of this take place. He had fed thousands from just a few mere uh, loaves or fishes, and he, he had fed them all. And that's, that's the background of this story. Uh, and, and going with him is his crew, but then he gets his disciples and they get on the boat. He had done so many things. He raised the dead. They should have known. So he comes to the lake and uh, he says, hey, Let's go across to the other side, leaving the crowd that he had just fed and everything else. So they get into a boat, and he was there, and the boats, other boats were with him. Now, he, he's going out uh, uh, across the Sea of Galilee. Waves started to break, already started to feel, uh, fill the boat. And they say, teacher, aren't you afraid? Because he's asleep in the boat. Let's break this down and, and go look at the Sea of Galilee and, and see what the problem can be there, the, the first part of this. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Sea of Galilee, that's the Sea of Galilee, by the way. It's basically like Lake Isabella. Uh, mountains, 
on two sides of it, the Golan Heights, uh, which are very much contested right now, is on one side. The coastal plain that you're seeing there is on the other side. So it's a, it's a bowl, just like Lake Isabella. When the wind blows up there, I'm sure some of you have been on the lake and have had the joy of putting away your jet skis, putting away your boats, putting away everything, because you just can't be out on the lake when that wind is blowing. And that's the exact same thing with the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's, it can be calm, it can be beautiful, but when the wind comes, stuff starts to happen. And that's exactly what was happening here. Leaving the crowd behind, he great windstorm descends into this valley, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. This, by the way, is not good. If you're, I've, I've been on little boats and everything else. Water coming in is not a good thing. Uh, the, the, the disciples got fear. Uh, Jesus was there, but he was asleep on a cushion. He was there. Now, they did the smart thing. When your boat is sinking, you wake up Jesus. Uh, you, you go and talk to him. And so they did that. They, they woke him up. Teacher, don't you care we're dying out here? And by the way, isn't that, I, don't, I have not used those exact words, but so close so many times when something's going on. Lord, didn't you know we're dying down? I'm dying down here. We got this going on. Uh, so he, he wakes up, don't you even care that we're perishing? So as he continues to break it down, there's another uh, point that, that takes place. Uh, he awoke. So, good note to self. When life turns to schmuck, wake Jesus. And so he turns, he wakes, and he rebukes the wind and says to it, peace, be still. This word rebuke, I looked it up, and it causes to censure severely, to admonish sharply. The word rebuke is used often in the Bible, not just in this case when he rebukes natural powers of weather and the natural things that are around, he rebuked it. When Peter's uh, mother-in-law was sick, he rebuked the fever that was in her. That's it. You out. Demons, he rebuked them and cast them out of people. This rebuke is a very sharp word. So he speaks to the weather, speaks to the physical reality that was taking place and endangering their lives. And he says, you, when? Stop it. You ever tried that? As a, years ago, as a new Christian, I was plowing original house that I was building in Adobe, and a friend of mine had loaned me a tractor, and I had a big hat on because of just the sun, and the wind kept blowing it off. So I gave it the be still. I'd go pick my hat up again. The uh, something was missing there. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, so so he turns to him, and there was a great calm, and he said to him, "Why are you so afraid?" Have you still no faith? And he's saying this because they should have, they'd seen it all. Uh, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who's this guy? He commands the weather. Notice the transition from one kind of fear to the other. The first kind of fear is, is fear of danger, fear of death. It's a negative fear. It's, it's one of those things that keep us from doing what we're supposed to do. That's the negative fear. They went to the awesome fear, standing in reverence. They were afraid of the natural, 
consequences of this storm filling their boat. But then they were more afraid, I think, when they realized that the one in the boat had the awesome power to be able to command the winds that were threatening them to stop. So, so an example, out on, out on the sea, uh, two examples come at him, and uh, he calms the storm. Uh, they get to the other side uh, to be able to do that. Again, they should have known. And again, we should know. And that's going to be the point that we're going to be talking about. They had heard God's voice tell to him, say to him, well done, good and faithful servant. At the baptism, they had heard the same voice from heaven. These guys should have known it. And these weren't rookies on the lake. These were fishermen. First Peter, when uh, Peter wants to be, uh, is getting to know Jesus and Jesus comes to him, he tells him, you go out and put down your nets on the other side. And uh, he had fished all night and been skunked. No fish. And Jesus, I just put it down on the other side. He does. And, and fish come and almost sink the boat again. Peter recognizes the power of Jesus Christ in some common everyday event that he was so familiar with, but he knew it was supernatural. So the disciples should have known uh, this pointed question in answers, where is your faith, is actually a question that he asks all of us at times. At least he's asked me. I, I doubt, I have fear, I have concern. What did they find out at that moment when he calmed the storms? They, they found out that Jesus was God walking in the flesh. Think about that. They may have had some hints. They, they, they certainly thought that he was the Messiah. And they, and they probably thought that he was going to come and establish a kingdom here on earth uh, and be kind of an earthly ruler to that kingdom. And they'd kick the Romans out. But then it changed. He's God. He's God with us. He's always been God. He is God. And in the future, we'll face him as God. Jesus said to his disciples, song that was sung by Brian earlier, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. But he goes on in that talk, uh, talking to his disciples. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This, this claim to be equivalent to God. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and, and they follow me. And I, I, Jesus, I will give them eternal life. They will never perish. My Father has given them to me. Jesus claims God as his Father. He is God walking on this earth. He's still God. He's, he is the real God, the real Jesus Christ. Now, we live in an age of false teaching, uh, I participated in it myself before I was a Christian. I had created my own Jesus, one very manageable, one very easy to deal with, and that's today. No, the real Jesus is not easy to manage at all. In many cases, in some areas, he's not predictable. He guides us what is best for us. We talked about in our Sunday school class today that he guides according to his will. He intervenes and intercedes for us. And that's exactly what we're being told here. And we should have a good fear, a, a profound reverence and awe toward God. When we pray, most of I'm making an assumption, 
Uh, I certainly did. Early in the morning, I prayed. Actually, during the night I was awake, so I prayed. And, and early in the morning, I prayed. God. And it wasn't a cocky, arrogant, pop-off prayer. It was one that I quieted my heart, and I think everyone does, should. We quiet our heart before we come into the presence of the holy and prepare ourselves to be able to do that. So first thing, first thing, Jesus is God. Next lesson, by the way, from this adventure they had on the Sea of Galilee, we want to have Jesus in our boat when the storms come along. Again, an assumption of our day that everyone knows God and he's always there. That's not true. There's a lie that changed everything for us back in the Garden of Eden when, when Adam and Eve made a decision to forsake God, to, to change things. The serpent said to him, uh, no, God, did, he did, God didn't mean what he said. God, he didn't really say that. You will not die. For God knows that the day you eat this apple, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. This, this ability for us to think that we're in control of our lives. That, that we have the ability to choose what's going to take place in our life. No. God's the sovereign ruler of all that exists and all that rules. Not a sparrow falls to the ground. He knows and guides everything. And no, we cannot choose. I like the devil goes on. You can choose between good and evil. No. God establishes what's good what's true, what's right, and what's honorable. And, but today we live in a culture where this gospel, this good news, the fact that Jesus is the living God has been blinded from our, from our culture. We're told that we're born good people. And I believe that. Uh, thought I was a good person because I was so cool. And I don't think you, you didn't know me then. I was cool. I, I really was at the day, in my opinion. But the truth was, in all of us, when we start out, Jesus is not in our boat. We're dead in our sins and our trespasses. We're walking according to the prince of this world, Satan. And if we were to die or get in a storm that sank us, we're not going up. We're going down. So this idea of getting it straight, not only for us, but the disciples back in the day, the real Jesus... We want him in our boat uh, as, as we go on. You know, this, this fact of who Jesus is, the real God walking among us, his mission was very clear. He came to reconcile us to God. He's not in our boat. He, he came to invite us into that relationship. God was in the world, in Christ Jesus, reconciling himself to us. This this mission of Jesus to, to remove our sins. It, the last verse, and this is probably, I think, one of the most important for me. For our sake, let's do it. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Have Jesus in your life, in your world. For our sake, God made Jesus to become sin, to take every one of your sins and my sins. I say this so often. To remind myself, I talk about it often, as often as I can, 
Christ took my sins and yours on the cross. This was just not a visitation. This was a sacrifice personally for each of us. Our sins were listed. He made Jesus Christ who knew no sin to become sin. And as our sin leaves us, Christ's righteousness and holiness comes to rest, reside on us. This is the promise of Christ. We give thanks who has qualified us to, ensure, to share in the inheritance of the saints. He delivered us from this kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. This is the Jesus that was in the boat that day. This is the, this is the, the, the ruler of all. And again, freedom. Freedom from Satan who controls us. Satan who, who directs our path. Uh, all of these things were delivered from. And good, good fear comes in. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the Holy One. Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed. Uh, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my mighty right hand. These are the promises of God. If we see danger, he, we plan for it, reach out. God is with us. This is, that's the whole message tonight. That's, that's, that's the whole point. One more example of that, uh, again, took place on the Sea of Galilee. This is kind of the application phase today. Uh, again, the disciples, full day of ministry, and again, had fed a crowd of people. Uh, people had been healed, uh, all sorts of things going on, very exciting for, for each of them. And they come to the Sea of Galilee again. This time, Jesus has got another training plan that's going to take place. Before, they said they ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover after feeding 5,000 men, probably 15,000 people. They should have been at the top of their game at this time, again, like the last time they were, doing, they were fed. Uh, immediately after this, Peter uses the word who, who did the... Uh, this. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get into the boat. Now, this insisted that they get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake while he stayed behind. Now, normally, I know this, Jesus moved with crowds and, and his disciples were basically crowd control often, just like at concerts and things, you got some protection in there. He sends his, his protectors, his, if you will, his bodyguards and puts them in a boat. And just, you know, you go ahead. You do it. Now, he had to insist, because what, what were the disciples thinking? Baby. Oh, no, I know what's going to happen. There's going to be a storm. There's going to be stuff going on out there. Jesus, come on. Get in. I'll give you a cushion. You can take a nap. It'd be really great to have you along with us as so we'll go out on the ocean this time. Really sounds good. Uh, Jesus said, no. And he sends, he says, I'll take care of the crowd. You guys go on out. Training plan coming up. You might, you might know that. Uh, as he does that. Sending, sending, after sending all the people home, he goes up onto the hills by himself to pray. He often did this. This was not unusual. But typically, in, and you can see around the Sea of Galilee, you can see some distance. Now, uh, in Mark, the same thing is described uh, specifically as he does that. And it says, Jesus is up on the mountain watching them. Well, what's he watching? 
Again, the wind, the storm, the progress that was slow, they were in danger again. They're out in the middle. No Jesus to call upon. So Jesus is at this point sees that and he wants to be on the other side with them, but he knows the training plan that's going to take place. He starts walking on water out there, three in the morning. They've, they've gone through all of this. Uh, at about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came, get this, toward them, not to them. As a matter of fact, the, the, the picture and the, the other descriptions, it's like he's going to walk on by. Can you see the disciples? Uh, Jesus, uh, us, storm, water in boat, not good. Jesus walking uh, by them, and, and they were terrified. And they feared, they cried out. They didn't see it was Jesus right away. It's a ghost. It's some kind of a spirit that's out there. Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here, but you're not in the boat. You're out there. Things are still going on, wind going, storm going. Peter, you got to love Peter. He says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out and walk to you. Jesus says, oh, really? Really? Uh, if it's really you, tell me, and I'll come to you walking order. Oh, yes, come, Jesus said. Oh, yo, go for it. Uh, I, I look, I picture this. I would never do this. Remember, there's 11 disciples inside the boat. I would probably be one of them. Peter, bold, foolish, loudmouth. Peter said, I can handle this. He gets up, puts that foot down. I, I imagine how he put it down, though. It wasn't, it was, there's something there. There's something solid. So, so Peter gets out and looking at Jesus, all the confidence in the world. I got faith. Look at me, Jesus. I am so cool. And he's walking on water towards Jesus. And then, and then it went from this reverent awe of power and majesty who called him to walk on water. And his focus shifts like mine has so many times, and probably everyone here that knows Christ. The focus shifts to not Jesus, not awe and reverence, but to the wind and to the waves, and Peter's sure-footed walk on the top of the water turned to schmuck as he sinks. Just in saying that, I... I can't know a specific incident, but I know the feeling of losing faith at a critical time uh, when things are coming at me. And then to be reminded to again hear Jesus reach out and pull me back up. I think most followers of Christ will remember that. Uh, Immediately he reached out and grabbed him. Said, why do you have such little faith? Why do you doubt me? And so together, again, I like that. They walk over to the boat and, and, the, and they both get in. Climb back into the boat. The wind stopped again. Jesus, the wind stopped 
And listen to what they did. They worshiped him. The word worship is not a word that's thrown around lightly in the Bible. Worship only goes to God. Worship this, this awe, this reverence, this love, this... Most people in the Bible, when they come into the presence of God, it's FaceTime. I'm not talking about some social media. I'm talking about being on their face, not out of uh, fear, although it's, it's a, this divine reverence for holiness that's there. And so they worshipped him, and they said, you really are the Son of God. You really are. They went from fear, negative fear, to reverence and awe. And that's, that was, you know, that was Jesus was leading him, and he's leading us in the same way. On dark nights, when the wind's blowing, the rain is coming down, Jesus is still Jesus. Jesus is still the one, and I don't, I don't know what your fear is. We all have something lurking inside of our lives. Relational fear, health fear, economic fear, fear for our country, fear for things that are going on around us, economic state, everything. That's t there's fear. But, but make sure Jesus is in the boat. Make sure that, that he's walking us. He has delivered us and transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the sun. That we've gone from dead in our sins and our trespasses as Christ has put his sins on him, our sins on himself. That we might be holy and righteous before him. That, that we have been crucified with Christ. Now, this second verse that's on there comes to the point of how that happens. Jesus says, if you want to come after him, if, if you want to follow him, you have to give up control. That one controlling desire in all of us to say what's right, what's wrong ourselves, to, to chart our own course. Jesus says, no, if, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. They knew exactly what he meant. Lay our lives down. If you want Jesus in the boat, running our lives, we have to give him control. Not out of fear. Not out of shaky, quaky fear that is negative fear, but out of reverence and awe for a God who loves us and who is the God then, now, and always. That's the, really the call and the point of the series that we're moving in right now. Have the right kind of fear. Have the right kind. Have the kind that's respect, reverence inside of our lives. And again, when our boat is sinking, wake up Jesus. He's there. We just need to be reminded. Just join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that, that you speak to the circumstances of each of our lives. You calm storms in our hearts, in our minds, and in our spirit simply by your presence. You remind us that you're the God that spoke worlds into existence. 
You're the God that, that came and died for us and removed our sins. You transferred us from Satan's control to your control. Give us the wisdom to release the control that, that we think we have to the truth that you are the sovereign ruler of all. Thank you that you will continue to lead and guide us in each of these things. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.